Dear God in heaven, thank you for bringing us safely and soundly here this morning on a beautiful morning. We're thankful for the, especially the sunshine in our hearts through Jesus Christ. May we exude the zeal and the energy um, and, the, and the love that you show to us, and may we be excited about being your people. And we ask that you would help us in encouraging one another, one another to allow Christ to constantly and continually live in us. We're thankful for every spiritual blessing we enjoy in Jesus Christ. Through his name, amen. We're using material to as a springboard to bounce off, bounce off of in our Sunday morning class, this one right here, accepting adversity and tragedy. I, I, have, I have 10 lesson sixes. Do you have one yet? You'll take all 10. You'll take all 10? That's what I thought. So if we could share one or two. You two are regular, so you can get one each. Or do you share it? Okay. There you go. Six? All right. Okay. All right. I'll get around to you, Shirley. Hang on. I don't, I don't like reading the lesson, but I've been doing a little bit of that, having you read or having me read paragraphs out of it. Because I, I know it's, it's challenging, especially if you're involved in two or three classes here, getting around to all the Bible reading and studying, and I just like us to be on the same page. I'm not a lecture-style speaker as much, but when we use a lesson, it kind of turns into a lecture, but I do like to get us to think, and uh, i like to know what you're thinking. And when we have material like this, we may not agree with everything, and so there are times where I might point that out, that I don't agree with something, or will emphasize something we may agree with, and you're welcome to point out some things that you might not agree with, because a, a human being put these lessons together, but he is working off a of scripture, which it, when you, if you have your Bibles handy, Ecclesiastes 7. Ecclesiastes, Old Testament. after Psalms, it's after Proverbs. In lesson six there, look again at the last thought of the previous lesson, which was lesson uh, five. Implications of the fall of mankind. I guess the last thought that they had, they had two points. 
on page 11 of Lesson 5, when we dwell on the why, it is a sign that we fail to see what is really at stake. We must look beyond the tragedies and disasters and see God's ultimate plan to overcome Satan. We must be able to see God's focus on our individual salvation. This is the reason we laid the foundation of Lesson 3. So the hearkening back to Lesson 3, which was focusing on God's desire and concern for mankind, bringing mankind back into fellowship with him, okay? Which, which demonstrates his what? Love, thank you, absolutely. It's also beneficial to dwell on this thought, would a God who is, was willing to send his son to die for us really make life any more, difficulty, any more difficult than necessary for us to serve him? God has our best interests at heart. There's the core of love right there. And then tragedies serve a useful purpose. Indeed, we'll see that all personal trials and adversities can teach us useful lessons. So that brings us to the introduction on lesson six. We will examine this paradoxical benefit at length and conclude with some final thoughts on large-scale tragedies and Disaster. So keep in mind that's the context here. Uh, emphasizing inspired revelation rather than mere emotions as a source of understanding, let's consider the following passages, and they zero in on one verse in Ecclesiastes 714. 7.14. Daniel, do you feel like reading? Read, read verses 1 through 10, if you don't mind. So in Ecclesiastes, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to get a little bit... Uh, a, lot of a lot of the chapters in Ecclesiastes, the, the chapters aren't uh, fully one context. Sometimes there's a lot of verses that jump around to different topics. Seven kind of stays on the same one. We'll see. As we go through here. Okay, thank you very much. Paul, do you feel like reading? Yes. Uh, 11 down through 14. And 14 is the one they're highlighting.
All right, and Paul, could you jump down to 20, just read verse 20, because that ties into previous things we've been discussing. Interesting verse, isn't it? But let's focus on 14. What are we told to do in the day of prosperity? I hear what over here? What did I hear over here? Be happy, be joyful. Would this be hard? In the, in the day of prosperity, would this be hard? Laverne says that's the easy part. Agree with her? That's not too hard. Yeah, I mean, how much can we discuss that? Um, Dave? Okay, Daniel's saying there are some that seem to want more, no matter how much prosperity. And you look at the world in general. I don't, I don't know how what the percentage of that would be, but they're out there. You, you see the. Greedy ones, the covetous ones, the grumpy ones. What's that, Wilma? Never satisfied. There you go. Never satisfied. Yeah. This really says in times of good and happy. So I think that would envelop more than just money. I mean, maybe you wake up one day and you feel great. And, you know, you don't have anything planned and you can just accelerate other things other than money. And, and Kelly battling... Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, <laughs> that means something to her when you wake up and you feel good. And, and, and a lot of you can relate to that. So, so that's a, yeah, that, that would be a day of prosperity. Laverne. Yeah, I, I think that plays into it. Mm-hmm. That's right. In the day of adversity, we're told to consider. What does the NIV say there? Consider this. What do the New Americans say? Uh, days of adversity, consider. I.e., to think and learn a lesson. <clears throat> now, I... Do you go through life looking for lessons? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I wonder what I can learn today? Laverne does. What's wrong with you, John? <laughs> He's younger, okay. So the, yeah, so, so when we get to the, the age of 59, like Laverne, then, then, we start, then we start thinking, what can I learn today? Yeah, what, it, what is... It, we normally don't go through life looking for lessons and what we can learn, usually when we wake up in the morning, but uh, there are wise, I just read something the other day about don't always go to the, to the elderly, they're not always the wise ones. Sometimes you can find young people that are extremely wise and gifted in that, and it's probably because they're soaking this in and communicating with the Lord, <clears throat> and they've been blessed with wisdom. So you can find young, wise people. But generally speaking, as the proverb said, honor the gray hair, 
because generally speaking, that, that's where wisdom resides. Well, we're kind of getting a little off topic. The uh, question was, think and learn during the day of adversity. Ted, before I ask the question, what you have? What's you thinking on? You're out of time to use it? Yeah. yeah. All I say is, why does youth have to be woken up and young? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's why we want to pay, pay attention as we're going through life and, and uh, not ignore the times where we can be learning and growing. Wilma, and then Joe. Philippians 4.12. Go ahead and read it. You want to read it? Okay, so that's a good application verse for what's going on here. That was Philippians 4.12 and the verses around it. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Joe? Yeah. Yeah, it should. And then... Yeah. And also keep in mind the Proverbs that point directly and address the youth where he, he gives them warnings. Beware of this and this and this and this because the youth have their, we all, every stage of life has their danger points, right, that we, that we need to be aware of. So why does adversity provide a better opportunity to learn than prosperity? How? Should. Okay, so um, the make it through it would be um, perseverance. That is a big word, isn't it? What's another word for perseverance? Persistence, endurance, patience is related, yeah. It is a different word, but I'll put it up here. Su <laughs> yeah, suffering long, yeah, and some people do. Sometimes we do go through suffering long. We start asking these why questions that our lessons are bringing up here. Anybody disagree with Joe or want to add to what Joe said? Joe's adding to Joe. Go ahead. Light at the end of the tunnel. No. You're making some.
which uh, now, now Joe's alluding to James, what James says in the first chapter. Daniel. That's why I had us read that part. Yeah. Reflecting especially on what in those first few verses? Yes. The D word, which most people in the world, most many, many unbelievers, we brought this up in this class, didn't we, that uh, how many unbelievers enjoy going to funerals and memorial services? Lots? We brought that up last week, yeah. Not even believers really enjoy that. Why? Finality. It gets us to thinking about finality, right? What's the word you use, Daniel? Brevity of life, yeah. This is where I'm headed. And I can't stop it if you stop to think about it, right? Because I see people around me dying. This is what happens. And you'll see people out there trying that frozen body thing. And uh, what's the scientific term for that? Science? Cryopreservation and all these, all these things uh, to uh, extend life. Kay says, I wouldn't. Enough troubles, right? Enough troubles in just this one life. Yeah. Uh, Ted, quickly, and then Kel. Yep. Romans 5. That's right. So adversity is not a comfortable situation. Whatever the hardship, whatever the trial, whatever the adversity, it's not comfortable to be in that, correct? And so I'm thinking that's where we're pressed to consider, what do I do with this? And, and we, look, we look outward, and we should, as Joe was pointing out, look inward. Setting aside ourself. I think we had Kelly lined up. If, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but um, in Romans explaining trying to build a muscle, yeah. you put it under adversity by exercising it and, it and it makes time shorter. And then you rest a day and then go heal, and that's how you actually grow muscle by putting it under adversity. And I think our, our spirit would be doing that. Anybody hear that? When you work a muscle, bodybuilders would, would know this, putting it under stress, I guess is, is one word. It's adversity to the muscle and try, trying the muscle, but they grow, it grows. Yeah, anything else on this before we move to Wilma? The song? Yeah. 
Well, I've even seen believers. Yeah. I've even seen unbelievers cry out to the Lord, and that kind of raises my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. And Ecclesiastes points out God has set eternity in their hearts. That's all of our hearts. There's something beyond. That's why we ask the question. Everybody asks the question in their life at some point. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And so, and so an unbelie unbelievers who cry out and maybe get angry at God because their little girl died from an infection or something, you know, the logical thing is to say to them, why are you crying? Why are you mad at God for? You don't even believe in him because that's not the time. But, but yeah, it's, it's, that's very interesting part of us, whether we're believers or, or unbelievers. It all brings us back to God. Uh, Mo? Yeah. That's, that's why there was always some sort of, um, in, in many units, right, some sort of a chaplain. Yeah, that's, thanks. That's what I'm looking for. Hand over here. Oh, Joyce. Uh-huh. And made it made it very clear forty some years ago. <laughs> you know, not to uh, to try to talk to him about it. And uh, but we received his phone call last night and I had a solution. From the same person. The same person. Okay. He said I just got a phone call from my son and found out that my daughter in law had surgery yesterday. <laughs> well, now, yeah. now if you were going to be snitty about it, you'd say, why? You don't believe in him, right? Right. You could say so-and-so, if you believed in him, you could do it with me, you know? It's funny, believers, uh, I have a co-worker, just, well, a former co-worker, right in front of Kelly and I says, I'm not religious, I'm not religious. But the, the thing that people don't understand is when they set God aside in his book, they replace it with another religion. Religious and religion just means being devoted to something or, or some philosophy or some ideology or something. And so when you take God out of the picture, you're going to replace it with uh, another God. And uh, I, I saw this real clearly in the last election. I read the Democratic platform, and God was not mentioned in there. In, in the Republican platform, the phrase um, God-given, I think, was about 20 times 
in there. <clears throat> the Democrat platform, God's not even mentioned in there. But you can see their gods in action. Environmentalism is a god, huge god for them. And th there's a whole list of other gods, small g. Boy, this is stirring up some. Go ahead, Wilma. Yeah. Goes to Joyce. Yep. Right. That's very insightful, Wimp. Yep. Right? Yep. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because you've got a totally different paradigm. Yeah, that's uh, Ted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mo, do you feel like reading Luke um, 13, 1 through 5? We've read it before in a previous lesson. I think it was 4, but they're coming back to it. Yeah, they say that right here. Luke 13, 1 through 5? Yeah. Now, on the same occasion, there was some present who reported to him about Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the shower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse sulfurs than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Does Jesus explain whether God specifically caused the tower to fall or if he allowed Pilate to kill the Galileans in order to teach the Galileans a lesson? Does Jesus explain that? We, I think we're all agree he does not explain that. And uh, but we'll just go from there. Who, who was to learn a lesson from the tragedy? What's that, Kay? And what was over here? Who were listening to him? Or observed these things? Yeah. Is that what you were going to say, Steve? The living, okay. And specifically the ones he's addressing. Let's see the context here. Some, some were present who reported to him. Okay. And it doesn't say the, who the some were. On the same occasion, there were some. Well, it doesn't say whether it's his disciples or not. But whether they are disciples or not, especially if they're people in general, unbelievers, there's a, less, there's a lesson here. What was the lesson? Kay says they needed to do something. Steve? 
Okay. <clears throat> right. You mean the ones, the ones uh, f the tower fell on them? Yeah, and, and the ones Pilate sprinkled? Yeah. Jesus doesn't explain whether, I mean, there could have been believers in those situations. Um, and that's the point. The prevalent idea here is they suffered those things so they must have sinned. They must have been sinners. And Jesus is saying, he doesn't even address that. He's saying, you worry about yourself, is how we'd put it, right? And what's the word repent mean? Change, change your mindset. Do you have something? Because many of them were living comfortable lives and weren't being, didn't have towers fall on them or <laughs> their blood sprinkled with Pilate. So they're, you know, they're pointing the finger. Oh, look at that guy. Look at that guy. They're, they're suffering because they, they were sinners. And uh, the self-righteous Pharisees really got, the, uh, got in, into Jesus' uh, line of sight because he, he knew their hearts, didn't he? And he knew their attitudes, and so he's, he's bringing it down. Whether some of them are in this crowd or not, you're the ones that need to change your mind about your direction, where you're going. Susan? Yes, thank you for reading that. And, uh, uh, you know, I took you to Luke, but um, on Ecclesiastes, if we could go back there for a second. <laughs> there was something in 14 I was going to ask you. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7. It's moving around on me. 14. In the day of prosperity, be happy. In the day of adversity, consider. God has made one as well as the other so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. What does that mean, God made one as well as the other? So he brings adversity upon us? That, that's what these lessons are about, isn't it? Does, does he or doesn't he? Might, might, here maybe, here he for sure does.
Uh, and uh, we've already discussed sometimes we suffer as human beings because of our choices, right? Choices and consequences. Laverne? Hebrews 12, and that comes into the picture too. Is, is this perhaps a, a higher level picture looking at what these lessons have already discussed in that, you know, the free will discussion we had, that God created us with a, with a free will and the ability to choose. And, and because of that, all the way back to the garden, sin came into being, and then when they were expelled from the garden, Sin was in the world, mankind sin. Mankind got so bad that he brought a flood upon them. There, there's the consequences. So, so again, that overall big picture of the, fa the fallen world, and I used to run from that phrase, but now I, now I think it, it makes sense. That, describing the atmosphere we live in, that's, that's what we live in. That sin brought things related to it, the death, the disease, the accidents and all that kind of thing. You might disagree with that, but I think that's a big, big part of it. I was thinking, well, what's the question? Uh, did God say, oh, I'm going to cause adversity on that person? Right. Or has he set the world as you described to describe for their, freedom, for their choice? And therefore, when man makes a choice, God made man ability to do it. Yeah. You could say, well, God not only brought adversity, but it would cause true man's ability to choose. And the way he created Mankind. And that's that's immediately what we many of us go to is this the direct thing. Uh, uh, Ken, Gail, and Kel. Uh oh. Epic story. And he sent out his word to, to frame the world, the ages, with his word. Okay. And he sets out all intention. Yep. And Jesus is the key to the whole thing. Correct. Throughout the throughout the ages, throughout the ages. yeah, and that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, plus we got to remember the that that sin is in that picture all the way along. Plus, so he had the remedy. He's lining up the remedy, yeah, which we call the the plan of salvation. That thread, that thread of blood from the beginning to the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, of salvation. And he, and he placed his son yep. in charge. You mean at the beginning? All throughout okay. yep. the, the activities of the creation and both. Yep, he was definitely, well, the son was involved, that's for sure. Everything that he yep. created in that bondage to his will. Yep. 
That's right. Who is next? Gail. Yeah. We're, we're going through it, and if we see it, we're able to lift up scripture in order to know we have to know we know about the Bible and teach the other person. Right. But what we do are it's, it's kind of hard for us because we know it's stuff. Right. Together. Right. So we're trying to show every nook and cranny. Right. So we're we're in constant stress every minute. Right. Or, or that are bringing the stress upon you, <laughs> right? Right, right. And the big part of that, there's that, there's that. That's a good example, Gail. There's the choice part. The person you're working with the has the ability to reject everything you say, or yeah. <laughs> right, but still, there, there needs to be an open. Well, okay, and prayer is going to be a big part of that. So ask Joyce to do her thing, and uh, so uh, <laughs> Joyce is going to get mad at us. She's going to say, "Why aren't you all doing your thing? Start praying." Yeah, <laughs> kill. Right. Am I suffering? Well, you may not tell us directly, but we can still. Use well, you know you're suffering. Yeah, I know I'm suffering. He doesn't necessarily it's whisper, yeah, I did that to you. It can always draw me back, whatever it is. Or, or the word allow. There's that allow word, which I, I like to use sometimes, and I wonder, should I be using that or not? But, yeah, your overall point is, what is it I can learn from, and how can I grow from this? As, your, as our good friend, homeschooling friend says, I press into the wood, and then I ask myself, how can I use this suffering? Teach me, show me how to use this suffering. Yeah, uh, on page 14, God's megaphone. At some point, if you haven't already, read that C.S. Lewis quote. It's kind of interesting. And then there's two questions under that that, that deal with that. Um, and I'd like to consider how many times in the Old Testament God brought a tragedy or a great trial on an entire nation. Uh, I'm out of town next week. Maybe if Dad wants to look at that, that would be pretty good. But I, I think even better than C.S. Lewis' quote is this 20th century example. Who can read that first paragraph for me? Who would like to read that? Kel? Not nice and loud. A few centuries. Uh, it's bottom of page 14, a 20th century example.
Okay, go ahead and uh, read that next paragraph. Okay, so you, you get the point. That this, we're going to read an excerpt of a diary of a German officer. All right, Steve, do you feel like reading it? Top of page 15. Yeah. You're a good reader. Would you like to keep reading? Okay. There are no commandments now against stealing, killing, or lying, not if they go in the teeth of personal interest. This denial of God's commandments leads to all the other immoral manifestations of greed, unjust self-ambition, hatred, deceit, sexual license to go in the name of pillaging and the downfall of their own people. God allows this to happen. Let's let's be forced by power and allow. The divine, divine, yeah. He's talking about the flood there. your reaction to that that was written in that was written in the 40s <laughs> that that's kind of a whoa I got to read that again what's that John sounds like who Chicago. oh Chicago oh oh yeah yeah actually there's some things he's describing there that we can look in our society our culture our American culture and see the thing, same thing and that's concerning isn't it, it it's, it's very concerning. we have we have three minutes and one another reading here. But do you agree with everything? He, I mean, he, uh, right in the middle of the second paragraph, get, God allows this to happen, lets these forces have power, and allows so many innocent people to perish to show mankind that without him, we are only animals in conflict. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's what these lessons are getting, out, getting at is, like Susan pointed out, we could... 
on that one paragraph. We could spend all day asking why, but what we need to ask, is, ask ourselves is, do we need God? And the answer is, yeah, most, cer most certainly. Oh, um, take, one of these, take one of these and pass it around. Yes, Joe, we'll read this and then we'll be dismissed. Because this is another... Uh, Yeah, they had the opportunity. Yeah, how long did it take Noah to build that ark? Mo knows those little trivial things. Yeah, they got... And, and, and of course, God's the heart knower, but they they got to a point where God got to a point where God evidently determined they weren't turning. They were not going to turn anymore. Noah's described as a preacher of righteousness, and they didn't turn to that. So, all right. Here's here's a Bible bite out of Numbers eleven, one. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. Uh oh, the people became like. Those who complain of adversity? When was the last time I did not complain of adversity? We look at the complaining of the Israelites as a sign of their lack of faith, but it was also a sign of their unwillingness to suffer. Adversity is anything that is less than ideal, anything that fights against us having an easy go of it. The Israelites were complaining because they viewed discomfort as a bad thing, but is it? Discomfort is almost always a sign of growth. I think Kelly was getting to this point, and some of, some of you. Sore muscles, well, yeah, here it is. Sore muscles mean they are getting stronger. Breaking out of your comfort zone means you are trying something new and probably learning from the experience. Adversity means discomfort, and discomfort means growth. The rich man was warned that he received his good things in this life, and that is why he was in anguish in the next Likewise, Lazarus received his bad things, but now is comforted in paradise. See Luke 16, 25. Better to be hungry here and seek the food that satisfies. Don't complain about adversity. Use it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James 1, 2. What do you think about that? Something to chew on as we dismiss. Thank you for...